Hi, Daniel Major here. I'm the CEO of GoVX Uranium. We are an African-focused development company. Uh, we have two fully permitted projects, uh, one in Niger, Madawela, uh, where feasibility study is complete, and we're currently looking at the debt financing, and the Muntanga project in Zambia, which we're currently doing the feasibility study of. Uh, we have an exploration play called Falea as well in Mali. Daniel, good to see you. Um, in fact, we saw each other, we bumped into each other yesterday at a conference in London, so I thought we'd uh, catch up with you on screen um, as well. Hey, look, um, I think the big talking point at the moment is you've just done a raise. Um, why now? What are you going to do with the money? Uh, why now? Because we had been working through things last year. Uh, we had been deferring uh, fundraisers last year. Uh, we got to the point now that we are very excited by the work that we did last year. Uh, and we now need to continue that work. Uh, last year, we completed a feasibility study for the Madawela project. Uh, we started on the debt discussions uh, and had 20 companies from a teaser come through, which are currently working on their LOIs for us. Um, on the Montanga project, we started on the ESIA and the relocation action plan for that project. And we did all the infill drilling required to put 50% of the resource, hopefully, into an indicated category. So, you know, a lot of work was done. And at the same time, we paid down all our debts to the Nigerian government. So we're clear on our balance sheet. Um, so a very busy year. We now need to take that and the positive results from that and move them to the next stage. So it's working with Endeavor to close out those LOIs and move those into a debt position for Madawela, uh, working on the offtake discussions that go with that. And in Montanga, accelerate through. Now we're going to be looking at the mineral resource and uh, complete the feasibility study for Montanga. So yeah, a lot of work. Okay, look, if, if, if I, a lot of work, but if I've, if I've got my institutional hat on, I, I can understand why you, you need to do that. You're, you're an exploration de development company, uh, you know, pre-revenue. You, you, you've kind of got to do it. You've got to kind of continue that kind of growth story. But you're getting a little bit of pushback from retail, okay? You're saying, well, look, why are you raising money? Could you have raised it at a, at a better time? Should you wait even longer? Should you, you know, delay all of these works? I mean, how, how do you answer that kind of timing question to that retail audience? You have to look at all the aspects out there uh, that are there. We're not a company that likes to sort of cash up all the time and have lots of money on our balance sheet. We prefer to put the money into the ground, add the value, hopefully get recognized for that value. I mean, certainly when we talk to the institutional clients, they understand and see what we're doing and all the other aspects that we're doing. You know, we also have to be recognized that, you know, you can't take everything till you're down to sucking on gas um, because you do not know what the market's going. And, you know, one of the things for us at the moment is actually the market itself that, you know, while I was at the WNFC, last year everyone was super positive about the market it was a lot, last week very positive but you look at the overall equity market and interest rates and global actions and you think well this could go wrong as well and we saw that last year i mean we saw uranium prices run all the way up to 64 and then go all the way down to 48 because of a banking crash and we have no control over that um, and we got to a point where we had utilized cash. Um, we had, as I said, done a lot of work with it um, and felt that now was the appropriate time to, to get there. And, you know, we were sitting at a point where the market was just not moving, which, again, you know, you, you know yourself, 
a lack of movement starts to worry you in the market. Um, it needs a direction, and uh, that direction can be up and down. Yeah, well, look, I, I think everyone needs a bit, a bit of certainty. And, you know, in, in this kind of hinterland we're in at the moment, I think most equities are, are, are struggling to make a call on it. And, and most retailers are struggling to make a call on it, risk off at the moment. Okay, so t- timing's now because you want to kind of get on with stuff. I get it. Can I just talk about the kind of cost of it? Obviously, it would have been much cheaper to do it last year, but and hindsight's a wonderful tool. Um, but you, you've done it. you've done it now. There's a warrant attached to it. You've never been a big fan of, of, of warrants. Was it hard to get over the line? Did people want to get involved? The, the feedback that, you know, we have to be guided by the feedback that's coming to us of where we're going. And the, fa- the feeling was that without a warrant in this market, the institutional side in this market would not play it. And we've seen that with other deals in our sector that have been going through. They've had to have warrants to get them through the line. Um, and yeah, we're not a big fan of warrants, but what we did do was get it to a 24 month warrant. You know, most of the deals out there are a lot longer dated. So we got a much shorter dated warrant to go forward. Um, the, we capped it out. I think one thing that should note as well, uh, where the original deal was for 12 million Canadian that included the green shoot. So when we upsize, there is no green shoot. So it's not a full lift up with- Explain, explain that for people, maybe non, non-finance people. Green shoot is- yeah, So any transaction that you do with an investment bank, they always have an option to do an additional 15% in case they have the, the, the stock coming through. Um, and in this transaction, that was in the first part because they felt you know they could get some upside. But because of the sheer weight of orders that they got, we said, well, you can increase it, but it's now a max. Is only fifteen percent, so it's not a full three million up. There was um, a part of that was actually the green shoe that's sitting in there as well. So it's actually a much smaller increase. There was a lot more orders, uh, but we didn't take that money either. We we left that money on the table. Right. Okay. Understood. But I think it's it's always worth explaining to people, your shareholders and people looking in at SE. You know. Explain the timing, explain the cost of this thing, and, and most importantly, what it's going to release you to do. So just we want to go through some. So obviously, debt, debt to Niger government paid down. Um, the feasibility study done last year, and obviously, um, Zambia feasibility study happening. Do you think with, with, like you obviously did that deal with Falea, do you see yourself offloading Zambia? Anytime soon, because I'm just trying. You, you've got to come up with ways, obviously, um, you know, re- um, reducing the need for dil- dilution. Uh, you've also got to got to get on with stuff because you've got to time the market because it kind of feels like a bit of a spring coil at the moment, and you've got to be able to put yourself in a position to take advantage of that. So, w- what are the kind of things that you're looking at, the moving parts that you're kind of conscious of, uh, you know, staying in control of? No, I, I, I mean you're absolutely right. It's it's a conversation that goes on you know, all the time, you know, we got rid of Flair because, you know, we just couldn't give it the time as much as anything else. And it was, a, you know, drain on cash. Um, it always got second the line. The Zambia, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, if we were to sell an asset, you know, that would be the easiest one to sell by by any stretch. It's in sub-Saharan Africa. Um, you know, we see there's a lot of value in that one. Um, and it's a highly rated project. Um we still have to add value to it, Matthew. We can't just sit here and say, well, it's now on the market. That doesn't help. I mean, as you know, working in any jurisdiction, governments want to see you doing things and you're leaving yourself at risk if you're not doing that. So yes, we can do that. I think there's an uplift due to us as well. I think the market's perception is that Madawella can't get going. Um, you know, but 
the support we got on the initial teasers from the potential lenders was very positive. We are sitting with a number of LOIs, uh, but I don't have the full package and I'm waiting for a couple more to come through. And at that point, we will announce, hopefully, um, that we have a full package of LOIs that will cover the debt position. You know, there's still a risk that those last couple don't come in, but we're feeling comfortable where we are today. And I think that really just highlights the positivity of that Matawella project. You know, and I have to point out with Matawella, people look at the MPVRIR, but, you know, as, as Robert Freeland points out with his massive um, Kamala project, this is a 20-year life project. It, you, we get no credit for the back end of that project at all. But what it does have is a consistent $83 million EBITDA every year all the way through. And that's why the lenders are looking at it and they're saying, well, actually, this project will pay down debt. Um, and more importantly for ourselves, we went into the debt conversation thinking we were looking at four to five years on debt terms. And the lenders have said, well, actually, we'll do eight years. Um, you know, and, and that's a much better position to be in on a project. So, you know, at the moment with you know, we, we pull our horns in on Madawella per se for expenditure because now it's just funding where the banks, but it's, it's based on success. So as long as things keep going, then we kick things into gear because things are happening. We can hold back. On Zambia, you know, we have to move forward on the on the ground. And, and you know, back to your point, Matthew, about people, you know, not liking us. We don't like raising money if we don't have to. But, you know, I, I try and stretch the dollars as hard as I can all the way through this business. We have a really small team. I mean, we have, what, six people in the whole of corporate. You know, um, we're not highly paid. In fact, I have, I'm actually earning less than I did when I first joined the company because um, we took a big salary cut and it still hasn't come out. You know, I've suffered through, you know, declining market and I'm here because I actually want to build these projects. And people have come in and I feel committed. I've got to get people out the other end of this thing. Um you know, as you and I kind of joke, you know, I, I do economy everywhere. You know, it's not because I'm trying to kind of look, woe is me, what a tricky guy I am. Oh, it's not. It, it, it brings through a cultural attitude into the company. So, my you know, I, my guys go, I, I mean, I used to be an investment banker, you know, and you, you know what it's like with investment bankers. They travel around the world. They're all in business class. They go out to eat. They're in New York. They're not going to drink anything unless it's $50 a, a bottle um, or more. That's not the culture you want. I mean, I, you know, there are companies out there. I bumped into one group who were all happily going business class and rolling off for a corporate jolly down into the Mediterranean because they got the money, they're spending it. Um, you know, that's not the approach we do. But it doesn't just work to the nitty gritty of mu that kind of money. It fits down to everything. So I've got a team now who's culturally, they look at everything we spend money on whether it's a drilling contractor, whether it's a consultancy group, you know, they think about the time frame that it takes to get things and how to use money. We are really careful with the money that shareholders give us. But at the same time, we have to do the job, you know, and things cost money. Um, but hopefully the money we are using uh, is getting put to the right place. And I think we showed that with um, 
Madawella and the feasibility study, uh, and we're showing it with Matanga. Yeah, look, I, look, I know your GNA is low, and I know you manage you manage the that, that that side of the business, and I know you're bottom decile in terms of what you, what you pay yourself, right? So I, I I get that you're you're a good you're, you're good good with the money. You're not you're not wasting it away. It's not a lifestyle company. I, I get it. Um, the thing that I kind of um want to see from you guys is it's not just a case of oh look, we're, you know we're kind of pre-production we've got stuff stuff to do it's this is a mine permitted asset in in, in Maduella, in the shape of Maduella. you you're significantly advanced compared to a lot of uranium companies all over the world there's not too many people who are you know advanced developers um like you, but the market doesn't seem to be giving you credit for that. You're a sub hundred million Canadian dollar uh, company at this point in time. So what what are, what are people missing here? What are they not getting? Because it, it kind of feels like you, a bit like kind of global, your, your neighbor um, global something. You're meaningfully advanced, but you're not getting the credit for it. So what what, what should they be looking at? It was interesting. I got a, a couple of emails at the weekend from from people asking questions, and I pragmatically go, we get some emails who, way too many words beginning with F in, but don't tend to um, respond to those ones. But you know what was interesting, I think, and I know something we keep going on about, which is guys, it we, it's not just Madawella. We have two projects, and people are. Look at us and kind of think, oh, but it's Madawella, and you, and this is where you are, and you're competing with Global Atoms. Like, guys, I've got a really good project in Zambia as well, which on its own, its net present value, uh, I think we used fifty-eight dollars for that one, and its royalty rate was even higher than it is now for that one, is worth this company already and more. I mean, most companies are trading at you know fifty percent discount to NAB. You, you know, you get Madam Matanga for in that one you've got the whole of Madawella for free and Madawella is currently in debt financing you know but people seem to just kind of look at one asset completely forget I've got two projects that are advanced one that's already at debt financing and the other one by this time next year will be in the same place the current one is now you know and it's sub-Saharan Africa as well um, I don't think people remember there were two asset development projects. Um, and, you know, that, as you pointed out, you know, does impact the our, our need to spend money as well. Um, we brought Matanga in because we also felt... But, but do, you, do you think it's a case of, do you think... Can, can I ask you this? Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I just think it's really important for you to kind of get to the point quickly as to what people need to be buying into. Okay, do you think there's um, part of the audience thinks... You're never going to get this thing to production because it's Western, uh, you know, it's West Africa. Do you think that people are nervous about your ability to raise debt at, at you know rates which will you know allow you to be an economic producer of uranium? What what are the concerns that you've had to address, whether it be on roadshows or you know institutional meetings or even some of these you know slightly aggressive letters that come in? What what are people concerned about and why are they wrong? You know, Matt, we've been in Niger since. 2007 you know we've got this project all the way through there we get great government support you know Arano, Ariva, Kojima whichever name you want to use has been producing there since 1971 all of the skills there there's power there and, and, and the other point I'll make on the, on this issue as well when we're looking at debt you know 
we came back with 20 companies who went through the teaser round who are currently working on getting LOIs with us, you know, and that includes export credit agencies. That includes DFIs. So it shows there's also international government support for Niger. And that's an important factor as well going forward. So, you know, we're, we're not sitting here and, and talking to you guys and the market and say, oh, we, just, we don't know how we're going to get our money. We, we can see that path to money on the debt right in front of us. You know, it just takes longer. The reason it takes longer is because we're working with government entities. They just move slightly slower than everybody else. And, and you all know that if you deal with your own tax, man. So, you know, that's a really positive thing about Niger. And it's growing. I mean, it's now going to start pumping oil as well. We've already seen within our own feasibility study, companies coming back to us and say, hey, guys, you know, you know, when we bid back in May, prices are cheaper now. You know, there's a now Trans-Saharan Roadway that's just being built out more. Um, I was dealing with a company the other day. They're looking at importing material and reckon it's 50% cheaper coming from the north than it's from the south. And we did everything from the south before because that road wasn't there. So there's great opportunities in that country. So, no, I, I think people get confused with Niger. But we have had the most amazing experience working in Niger on that project. And, you know, we went down to Zambia as well to add another great mining jurisdiction. You know, you've got a government there that wants to triple copper production. It's spending money on its logistics. It's spending money on its power. It's spending money on its education of people to get going forward. These are two really robust jurisdictions in africa and we're in both of them and we've got long life projects as well don't forget matawala starts as 20 years we've got the exploration upside even next to the miriam deposit we have 10 million pounds of inferred resource that we could access from underground when we get going and i get often get well you know what about the additional pounds you've got like yeah i can bring them in but let's get the project paid for and the plant going and then we have so much potential around us to go forward. I mean, Commonac operated for over 50 years, and it started on a tiny little resource and just kept on growing. So, no, it, it is a great jurisdiction. And, and you know, there's a lot of other stuff what you do, Matt, you know, that people don't see. All the ESG stuff we have to do to get ready. We're looking ahead. You know, even in Zambia, we're doing adult education now for our future employees because they don't have an education now. So it, it's not just about pulling out bits of paper. It's looking right far ahead and saying, right, what do we need to put in place to make sure this project's going to be successful for all stakeholders? And that's also important. 